Snap Wilson, quarterback draw on third and 15. 20, 15, 10, oh, he's going to go! Five, touchdown, Cougars! Down the lane, back to Yo. Yo on the arc, shoots a three, and scores it. Yoni Childs for three! To your right, putting a shot on goal, it is a goal for Elise Blake! This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And now, here's Greg Rubel. Good evening and hello again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio 2 at the BYU Radio Complex inside the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, our weekly hour of Cougar conversations with BYU sports personalities past and present. We are live tonight on BYU Radio, cross-country on uh, Sirius XM 143 and in northern Utah on 107.9 FM and 89.1 FM HD2. You can stream us online at byuradio.org and on the BYU Radio app and on demand as well. You can hear our show on the Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast and the archives can also be found on the BYU Radio app and at byuradio.org by going to the show's page. On tonight's program, we're spending the full hour with BYU men's basketball head coach Dave Rose, who just tipped off his 14th season as the Cougars' bench boss and his 22nd with the BYU basketball program. From his days as a player at Dixie College to the University of Houston, then into the coaching ranks from high school up the ladder to junior college and Division I, Coach Rose has had a home on the hardwoods. As BYU's head coach, Dave Rose has led the Cougars to the longest, most successful run in program history, averaging more than 25 wins per season while guiding BYU to the NCAA tournament or NIT in all 13 of his preceding seasons. Coach Rose is among the top 10 in active Division I coaching win percentage. He has recorded the fifth most wins of any coach through 13 seasons, and he has the fifth longest current streak of consecutive 20-win seasons. By late next season, Davis projected to surpass Stan Watts as BYU's all-time winningest head coach. Off the court, Rose and his family have been staunch supporters of important community initiatives, including cancer research and assistance for families with children battling cancer. As a cancer survivor himself, Coach Rose has a deep connection with those efforts. The Cougar Hoopsters just t- tipped off the 2018-19 season, and Coach Rose is in the midst of a busy three-game week because of that. And because he already spends a lot of time with me on the radio, I'm especially grateful to Coach Rose for joining me tonight here in Studio 2. Behind the mic, Coach Rose, I know it's been uh, less than 24 hours since you were last on the air with me, but good to see you again, as always. <laughs> well, thanks, Greg. It's good to be here. I've, I, I must say, I, we've talked in a lot of different places all around the country and done a lot of interviews. I, I think that, and this is no disrespect to anyone, this is the most uncomfortable chair that I've ever <laughs> sat in. And not because I'm nervous. It's... it's uh, it's just a little bit different, isn't it? Okay, during our first break, intern Aaron's going to get all over that and, and make you more comfortable. Get a different chair. He keeps sliding me forward towards the mic, I think, is the purpose. Aaron may end up giving you uh, his chair tonight. We'll see. Uh, well, depending on who you talk to, uh, some people connect you uh, most to BYU. Uh, some people connect you to southern Utah, others to Texas. But you grew up in southern California. Yeah, we did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought every everywhere in the country was like Southern California and, you know, it was cool in the evenings and kind of warm, warmer during the day. But, uh, a lot of times you would go out, uh, you know, outside at night just to cool off. And then we moved to Houston and I realized that, uh, the weather wasn't the same everywhere. And I, I remember a lot of, uh, uh, times in the gym, you know, at the church or whatever playing. And, you know, you, you had that habit of going outside to cool off and, in Houston, that's not the case. It's it's a uh, pretty hot and muggy all day, all night. So, uh, I, I've learned to appreciate over the years the the weather in Southern California, and I didn't appreciate it near enough when I lived there. Actually, you grew up in a family uh, that were members of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yep, my dad was a bishop in Southern California. I remember when I was uh, oh about nine, maybe nine or ten. Uh, they split our wards, and he became. Uh, we were in the Anaheim Second Ward, and then we split to the Anaheim Sixth Ward, um, and uh, and so th- that's that's kind of what I remember of my time there. That he was he was the bishop, and I was the bishop's son, and you know uh, I, I think that uh, uh, with that, I think all all the kids around know that have been in that situation. There's a um, you know a lot, a lot of it's it's not it's not really public life, but in the ward. Uh, people are watching you, and I've kind of felt that way ever since, actually. <laughs> been in the fishbowl your whole life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who were your college and pro teams uh, growing up in, in SoCal? 
Uh, the Lakers were my I, – I can remember uh, numerous times where, you know, my mom would come and get me out of the um, – we had a radio upstairs in our um, kind of recreation room, and I would, you know, listen to Chick Hearn <laughs> and, you know, the, the Lakers and Elgin Baylor and uh, Jerry West and Mel Counts. I mean, those guys were uh, kind of the first group of Gail Goodrich, the guys that I kind of cheered for and – the New York Knicks were kind of our nemesis at the time, but uh, um, I, I, for some reason, I just it, it just kind of um, you know touched me as far as my interest was concerned. Uh, following that team, the Angels, California Angels at the time were my my baseball team. I could uh, you know I could see the Big A from the freeway driving you know back and forth all through town. There, uh, we lived right. At, you know, right uh, uh, about three blocks from Disneyland when I was really young, and then we kind of moved out to Canyon a little bit out, um, you know, towards the Santa Ana Canyon, t- towards Corona. And um, so we we would end up frequently with uh, Mickey Mouse balloons in our backyard. <laughs> Floating after, in from Disneyland. Uh, after they were, you know, <laughs> released every night, you know, a group of balloons and, and the helium would send them to our yard. So... Uh, those were kind of the memories I had of, uh, and we we went to the beach quite often. Uh, you know, Newport Beach was a favorite for us, and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, my dad worked for um, uh, a company that uh, did aerospace industry. Autonetics was the name of the company, and we decided we weren't going to go to the moon anymore. And uh, they started laying guys off, and it took a couple years, but my dad finally got laid off, and. Uh, Decided we were going to start a family venture, uh, you know, and, and he was going to sell, be a real estate agent, sell professional practices uh, for doctors and lawyers, accountants, different people, you know. And so we moved to Houston to do that, and uh, that was, you know, when when I, I was in the summer after my eighth grade. So we moved uh, right before my freshman year. So you're fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, right around there. Right, and and you know, it doesn't seem like. You know that big a deal. Kids move all the time, but uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd established myself as a pretty good athlete. You know, in Southern California, I played baseball and football and basketball, and um, you know, was really looking forward to my time getting out of middle school and getting into high school. And uh, it was really interesting making the move at that time of year to a predominantly football-dominated state. And I had a love for basketball and. Um, it would not being known and being a new guy in that, you know, it, it kind of put me in a corner to where I, I could pick my, I had to pick my sport. And I ended up playing basketball um, in high school. And then after my sophomore year, I think I was able to go out and try out for baseball and play baseball for a couple of years, but, but never played football after my eighth grade year in Southern California. So football dropped off after your move then? Yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty serious. You know, those Texas football coaches, I, I remember, you know the, the the opportunities that kids have now in the summer with AAU and games and seasons. I mean, the AAU season is actually there's more games involved than a regular high school season. But at that time, basketball was your high school experience or your middle school experience, and and with Texas, uh, it was really hard to do anything outside of the winter season. I remember Greg Kite uh, was. Um, you know, a player across town from us, and he was really involved. He'd been invited to some national camps, and the Texas high school rules wouldn't allow him to attend those camps. And so he and his his father and some of their people uh, challenged those rules and got the Texas basketball rules. I think it was the University Interscholastic League, Texas UIL or something, that to actually relax some of their rules but those Texas football coaches didn't want anything going on, you know, during the summer except football. That was for sure. They kind of run things. Yeah. How many siblings in your family, and how much was your family into sports? I have three brothers. Uh, one older brother, Gordon, and then uh, uh, two younger brothers, uh, Justin and, and Scott. Uh, they're uh, they're and they're all great fans of, of BYU. All and, and my sister Jackie, she was in the middle of us. So we had there's two boys, a girl, and then two more boys. Those three, four, all graduated from BYU. I was the only one who uh, wore the the cougar red instead of the the cougar blue. Um, but uh, we we were pretty. 
we were pretty entrenched in sports at, at that time. I, I don't think it's anything like it is now. With if you have five kids and they're all pretty athletic, you know they're playing soccer and flag football and junior jazz, and I mean it's just amazing. Swim, what it, it's amazing the opportunities that kids have now. But uh, we were pretty involved in in every sport during the season, and uh, um, you know my my sister, you know Jackie was really musical. She played in the band and uh was was part of um the the, the one of my parents continued going to high school football games during that time just to watch you know my sister march but uh it was um my older brother was a you know varsity basketball player and Scott you know, was a varsity basketball player and and Justin you know played quite a few sports do you consider yourself today uh much more of a Utah than a Texan oh no question That's, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean when people ask me where i'm from um, I think because I, I I don't talk like a Utahan. I've got kind of a little twang to me, and they want to know where you know I was raised. But other than that, I mean, it, we're thirty plus years here, you know, in Utah now, and so no question, we consider this our home, and and loved our time in Texas. But you know, it, it was it was really pretty short for me. I, I played uh, my four high school uh, seasons there, and then uh, went to junior college in, in St. George at Dixie. Served a mission in England for two years, went back to Dixie, and then played three years at the University of Houston. So I actually only lived in Houston for seven years or so. More years in California than Texas. But I kind of yeah. I kind of claim Houston because that that's the age um, of you know the timing that I was there. I have a lot of friends and a lot of acquaintances, and you you, you go you go to high school and go to college in that state, and uh, it, it kind of makes a, a big imprint on on you know, the rest of your life. So Northbrook High School is suburban Houston then? Yeah, and, and when I, we, it was kind of a, a breakoff between two schools, Spring Woods High School and Spring Branch High School uh, were kind of rivals, and they made a third school out of those two. And uh, so I played my freshman year at Spring Branch High School, and that's where my brother played, varsity at Spring Branch. And then he graduated. They started our school, and we were the first graduating class that mm-hmm. came through and the, the the first year we played there, uh, there were no seniors. And so, uh, you know, I played varsity in my sophomore year, my junior year, but but we were the, kind of the oldest class going through. And uh, I, I, I think that that was – it was a good opportunity f- for me personally because I got to play a lot, but our teams weren't that good. At Northbrook, uh, you led the district in scoring, were selected first team all district and all greater Houston, and were your team MVP. And once – your college, your high school career ended. What options were you looking at at that point? Well, you know, it was pretty interesting because it, you know it was uh, the the other the two of us were kind of going for the district scoring leader, and uh, and the, the guy at Springwoods High School who was a really good friend of mine that we played younger uh, uh, teams, uh, sophomore teams together. Uh, Richie Keval was his name, and uh, Richie ended up signing with the University of Utah. And, you know, my dad was really, you know, trying to promote me to, to try and get me scholarships out here uh, at BYU or at the University of Utah or Utah State. And uh, and it just never really panned out. But uh, I had a couple offers in Houston uh, uh, at smaller schools, one in Austin at a place called Georgetown University and then uh, Texas State now, which is used to be uh, – it was in San Marcos. I think it used to be Southwest Texas. Um, th- those were smaller Division One schools that offered me, but uh, I just always felt like I, at that time, uh, I just wanted to play at a, a university where on Saturday afternoons we could play on TV. I mean, that was there was like one or two college games on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, I wanted to see if I could throw my you know name in the the hat to try to find one of those schools. So that's how I ended up at a junior college. So you you end up at Dixie, and then you get to play baseball again. Now you're now you're doing both sports you love. You know it was interesting because Dixie was actually pretty similar to the size of my high school at the time. You know, and uh, and I get there, and and I've got a nice scholarship. Uh, you know, coming from Houston, it's a um, and so I'm thinking that you know this is going to be uh, you know a really great opportunity for me. And I get there, and the first week of school, I'm. You know, looking at all these guys that uh, you know, 
Allstate at Milford High School, Allstate at Beaver High School, Allstate at Dixie High School, and to be Allstate in Texas, that's that's something, you know. And I'm I'm sporting around my Letterman's jacket with uh, you know the sixteen four A or sixteen five A. Uh, district, you know, scoring leader or, you know, all greater Houston. Um, and it, it really was kind of intimidating at first. But once we started playing, uh, I, I kind of found my way. And I just I love the, the basketball in Utah. That's what I remember the most um, about, you know, leaving Houston and coming to, to St. George is that the the basketball in this state was so popular and it was well attended. We had great crowds. And, uh, you know, I remember our, our district uh, had a district stadium for football and a district stadium for basketball. And uh, they were right across the street from each other. One was Tully Stadium uh, and the other was Don uh, Coleman Memorial Coliseum. And we could play a, like in November at this time of year, if you're playing a playoff game in football, uh, there could be seventeen or 18,000 people in that, that uh that football arena on a Thursday night for a playoff game, and then we'd play a Saturday morning game or Saturday afternoon basketball game in the arena. We might have seventeen hundred people in it, you know, <laughs> and, and that was kind of the difference between uh, uh, you know the interest level in, in high school football compared to high school basketball at the time. Yeah, uh, where did the mission time out relative to Dixie, and then going on to call, how how many years that you were at Dixie before I, you I left? Was, I was at Dixie for one year, and, and that, you know that was a tough. Uh, um, a tough time because it, it was it wasn't really e- not easy, but it, coaches just didn't accept the fact that you were going to go and then assume that you would come back and just pick up where you left off. And so I had a lot of different um, you know uh, recommendations as far as what I should do. And and after our my our baseball season at uh, at Dixie, we actually threw in the biggest kind of wrinkle of them all because I had a couple of major league teams that had inquired that if I was drafted in that June draft, if I would go play single A or double A baseball or, mm. or uh, not saying that uh, rookie league, rookie league. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I think that is probably a pretty good thing that I already had my mission call at the time because, uh, you know, those, those, those kind of things just, they, they, they kind of mess around with your mind a little bit, yeah. you know, with, uh, you know, trying to find your way in life as far as a professional athlete is concerned. So, um, that decision had already been made, and so we left it all behind. And um, and you know, I remember getting my mission call, um, and it was uh, sent to my home in Houston. And I was still at Dixie at the time. We were on the quarter system, and so we were we we went clear into June. And uh, the, the mission call came, and my dad wanted to open it and read it to me. I'm on the phone, and. Uh, you know, he said that I was called to serve in the Manchester, England mission. And, and the only thing I wanted to know was what language they speak, you know, because I, I wasn't really, you know, excited about trying to learn a second language. I was having a hard enough time with English and, and then Texan, you know. And so uh, um, I, I learned a lot about England in a short period of time. Did you grow to love England? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a really you know, uh, a challenge and it was difficult, but I, I loved, um, uh, you know, the, the different places that I served and the people. And it was almost, uh, you know, in, in, in some ways, um, the different cities that I served in, I served in Liverpool and Manchester and a little place called Barrow and Furness up right close to the Scotland border. And, uh, they, they were all just kind of little countries to them to themselves. Different languages, different slang, and uh, the, the, those. And I actually served in Liverpool for 13 months on my mission, so I had a a big part of that. How often have you been back to your old areas? Well, I haven't been back to my old. We have been back to England quite a bit. We've been to London quite a few times, and uh, uh, I've I've uh, never really made the the journey back. The trek north you back know, to your area. I, I've seen. Yeah. I've had quite a few uh, people come through Provo that we associated with some people that we baptized and their kids have come on missions and served, I mean, spent time in the, the MTC here in Provo. And so that's been interesting uh, for me. In fact, there's a, an employee in the athletic department whose, um, whose mother we uh, baptized years and years ago. And, and uh, I just kind of made that connection again. She sent me a, a picture the other day of the day that her mother was baptized and we baptized her outside in a river and my companion, Elder Shorts, in the river, having her down, and I'm helping her get down into the water, and I got a, 
a Mac, and I mean, I, I looked just like a, an Englishman, you know, and it was cold that day. I remember that. That's for sure. Mac is a raincoat? Yep, yeah. Yep, okay, here we yep. go. Uh, and then after your mission, it was back to Dixie, right, for one more year? Or? Went back to Dixie, yeah. and, and there'd been a coaching change. You know, Doug Allred was my coach my freshman year, and he had retired and become the AD, and they had hired Neil Roberts, uh, who had s- some great teams at Skyline High School here in, in Salt Lake, and hired him as the head coach at Dixie, and so... Um, you know that was uh, that was a, a real interesting learning experience for me, and I, I, it, it it has really helped me over the years um, because I'm playing for a coach who actually didn't recruit me. I mean, he wanted me back uh, after I came off my mission, and you know, after you know, quite a lot of dif- discussion because they'd gone to the national tournament um, the second year of my mission. So when I came home, I was coming back to a team that was pretty established, a lot of returners. And uh, and trying to find my way, uh, you know, after a mission and uh, got home in July, the middle of July. So it, it was a little bit tough, you know, trying to get myself in shape and get ready for the season. But uh, ended up having a, a, a successful season, a good season. Our team was our, our team was good, but we didn't make it back to the national tournament. So all of us, we all felt a little bit disappointed. And then I was trying to find, went straight to baseball, was playing baseball. I had a couple offers to to play baseball and, and then realized that basketball scholarships are much better than baseball scholarships as far as Division I uh, teams are concerned. And, um, you know, uh, right at the last minute kind of ended up at Houston. And, and so we, we uh, Cheryl and I had met that sophomore year and we got married in, 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 uh, in June and then we headed off in, in August to go to, to Houston and try to find our way. We know Coach Rose was excellent in hoops, but before we take a break here, we need to know that he was a region batting champion at Dixie and hit 421 as a center fielder. Uh, chatting with BYU basketball coach Dave Rose, we're taking a break. We'll come back and uh, yeah, head to Houston, the uh, the Cougars, for Coach Dave Rose. As we continue our conversation, this is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. We're brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. More with Coach Dave Rose after this. Stay with us. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic. We're in Studio 2 with BYU men's basketball coach Dave Rose, and we continue his uh, career as we head off to the University of Houston after two years at Dixie College, separated by a mission to England, and... uh, the, the the decision to go back or the opportunity to go back to Houston, how did that come about at the time? You know, it's actually a pretty funny story, but uh, it, it it just is kind of how my life has gone. Just <laughs> uh, you know, just a break here or there. I was I was looking at uh, you know a couple options to play baseball. I had some smaller uh, schools offer me some basketball scholarships, uh, and then I had some scholarships offered to me back east, the University of Akron, and some crazy places with that I just wasn't really excited about going to. But uh, I was working uh, for my my cousin on the highway, putting guardrail uh, in Flagstaff to Phoenix on the highway there. And uh, and my dad called me and said that he, he had talked to my old high school coach who had met, saw Coach Lewis, you know, at some function, and that uh, their, one of their guards – uh, was from Israel, and he had gone home for spring break and then signed a professional contract and wasn't going to come back. And so they had a scholarship for a shooting guard. Um, and, you know, Coach Lennox at the time was our, my guy. He was a player from the uh, University of Texas. And he, he was talking to Coach Lewis, and Coach Lewis called me on the phone. And he remembered me from high school and <laughs> got some old film from, from Dixie and offered me a scholarship right on the phone uh, in a little apartment that Cheryl and I were living in in Flagstaff. And it, it took me all of about 20 seconds to accept the scholarship. And he said, hey, you want to come out and visit us? And I've seen the campus. I've been there. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's plan. When do you want me there? <laughs> so you you had married Cheryl in uh, at Dixie, and right. now you moved together to Houston. And, and Coach Lewis is Coach Guy V. Lewis, the legendary coach of, of Houston. And so there you are. And uh, you got there a night for 1980-81 was your first season, your junior year. Feistlima Jamma wasn't yet officially a thing yet, was it at that point, or no, was it? No, yeah. it wasn't. We uh, it was really named in in eighty two, eighty three, yeah. and it was the preseason of that year, um, and we were just we, we were very athletic and 
And, and Coach Lewis is, you know, he had a, a motto that he's, he said, I want you to dunk everything you can. They put the dunk back in, and he felt that it was a real aggressive style of play. And so, you know, he'd put up with a miss or two. And it wasn't a showboat thing. It was let's let's be the strongest team. And most dunks wins the game. That was kind of what he said all the time because that shows your aggressiveness. And and we had two or three, um, you know, early season warm-up games where we – you know, had double figure, you know, dunks in the game. And one of the sports writers just, you know, named it casually in an article as this is Texas's tallest fraternity, Phi Slamma Jamma. And that's kind of what we became. Then it was a thing. Uh, the roster of Houston players uh, that you played with included uh, future basketball Hall of Famers and some of the most purely athletic guys in college hoops. How much of a high flyer were you back in the day? <laughs> well, I always say that between Clyde and I, we had like I think twenty nine dunks that year. He had twenty eight, and I had one. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, I for you know for me and for my you know kind of my plot in life, you know, I, I actually was a pretty good dunker. I. I I remember a lot of things about, uh, you know, me trying to learn how to dunk and, and uh, you know, trying to get through sore shoulders and bad backs <laughs> because of getting hung so many times. But uh, <laughs> once I figured it out and, you know, got to the point where my body was strong enough, that it was something I really enjoyed doing. But I actually only did it one time in uh, – did a few times in junior college, but I actually only did it one time in a – a game in college against Rice, actually, at uh, Autry Court. So That was in Houston. Well, yeah. obviously, but yeah, yep. they're, they're at their floor. Yep. Yep. I did one game at Autry Court. The press box hung over the hung, hung over the uh, over the floor from back on the rafters. Uh, 1980-81 was your junior year. Cougars went uh, to the old Southwest Conference. Uh, you went 21-9, and 10-6 in league, second place, then won the conference tournament. They had a, a two-game conference tournament deal, didn't they, for the Southwest? Right. I think they called the Southwest Classic or something I like that. I think the top four teams went there. And, yeah. Uh, we we were I think the maybe the third or fourth seed, but we actually won the tournament. We beat um, I think TCU beat Arkansas, and then we beat TCU in the championship game, and and that was a you know the automatic bid. We knew we were in, and uh, probably a real bubble team at best if we were going to get in or not. But uh, um, got in and you know got on the big stage, and uh, we went to Charlotte uh, you know to play. Um, and we played Villanova in the eight nine game. Yeah. And, and interesting, you were in the same bracket with Virginia, which was opposite BYU, and Virginia ended up playing BYU in the Elite Eight, and then Virginia onto the Final Four. Yeah, we, and it, you know, it was it was interesting because, you know, because of you know uh, the, the fact that I uh, was interested, uh, you know, in coming out to Utah and play, and and then I played here, you know, junior college. I, I followed all the Utah schools all throughout the, my career at the University of Houston, and. Um, you know, I was just hoping that maybe sometime we'd get a chance to play one of them, you know, somewhere, some some way. And actually ended up my senior year playing the University of Utah in Japan, in Tokyo, of all things. So this game has taken us all over the place. And we it's it's amazing when you, you think about the, you know, thousands of games that we've played now and coached now that uh, it kind of makes the world a little bit smaller because you you have so many connections with so many people it's so many different times. The game has taken you around the world. In 1981-82 they went 25 and 8 Houston did 11 and 5 in in league and that was a redshirt season for you. Yeah, I'd, I'd hurt my knee uh you know basically in that Villanova game is when it really got to the point where you know they, they had to do surgery and uh, was my tele my patella tendon it kind of rotted out and and they had to cut some of that out and then you know, saw it back into my kneecap, and it was questionable if I was going to be able to actually continue to play. And hmm. it healed, and and then I was you know able to uh, to finish my my senior year, which you know it was such a it was such a you know, journey you know to to get to where I was, and I was at the University of Houston, and I had a scholarship, and I um, you know had a a team to be on, and I just it was just going to be so difficult for me to accept the fact that I wasn't going to be able to play. Uh, that last year, and things all worked out, and uh, you know we had a pretty good season that last year. Houston made the Final Four in back-to-back years, '82 and '83. During your redshirt year, as a redshirt, did they let you travel? Did you get to go to the Final Four with the guys? Yes, or? we did. Cheryl and I both went to the Final Four, and, and uh, we didn't. We weren't with the team or sitting on the bench. Uh, we had got tickets, you know, behind the bench. But the best part about that is is the fact that uh, the team went home after we lost to North Carolina, and. Uh, and actually, Cheryl and I stayed, and so we got to see the championship game mm. between Georgetown and uh, and North Carolina. And that's when Freddie Brown threw the ball to the wrong team, and yep. you know went down and 
uh, I was Dean Smith's first national championship after all the years that he had coached and so many, you know, final fours that he'd been to and hadn't won. And, um, there was a pretty good freshman in that game. And, and that's Jordan. when Michael became Michael, really. <laughs> Michael yeah. became Michael. Yeah. yeah. Now, 82-83, 31-3 for Houston. Perfect in the Southwest Conference, 16-0. You mentioned uh, Japan. You lost at Syracuse, then went to Japan, lost to Virginia, Ralph Sampson, right? Yep. Then played Utah, came back. And I think that Utah game probably starts a string of 26 straight wins for yep. you guys. And the funny thing about it, I was – Talking with Dave Odom, who was doing an uh, interview for the NABC now, and Dave Odom was an assistant coach at the University of Virginia at the time. And Ralph Ralph didn't play in that game. Ralph was sick. He had the flu, and and I think it was kind of a letdown for us. We didn't play quite as hmm. um, as well as we needed to. And, you know, you're talking about the travel and the issues, and and it was, it was really strange, the the the, the – the fans didn't cheer. It was it was it was really interesting that at the at the timeouts and the breaks is when they would clap. You know, it was really politely. It was quite it was quite <laughs> quite uh, the experience. But uh, uh, we ended up getting beat. Uh, you know, by uh, and that team actually went to the final four the, the next year without that without Ralph. But um, anyways, we uh, we played Utah after we got beat, and we beat Utah pretty good. And uh, had to stop off, played Pepperdine off on the way back. Pepperdine on the way back, and we had to make a last-second steal to actually win that game. And all those things kind of played into the NCAA tournament. You know, Pepperdine, you know, ends up, you know, getting beat by NC State when they have like a twelve or thirteen-point lead inside of a couple minutes. And you know, North Carolina State makes it all the way to the championship. We make it to the championship, and you know, we get upset in the championship game, but. Uh, there was a lot of uh, ways that that season kind of entwined, and then Dave Odom he gave them all to me the other day when I was <laughs> doing an interview with him. <laughs> well, from Japan all the way to the national title game, you did not lose a game, and and everyone knows the, the mythical status of that game. But what's something that people might either forget about that game, or maybe one thing you remember that maybe others don't besides the finish? Well, you know, I, I remember, you know, with about five and a half minutes on the clock, we're up seven or so, and uh, we had won so many games in a row. I mean, we, I think it was December right around the 18th or 19th that we lost that game to Virginia, and then we just won, and we just kept winning, and it felt so normal, you know, even though it, 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 it was a really low-scoring game, and both teams were trying, you know, to score, and we just couldn't, you know. It was just, you know, one of those games where the ball wasn't going in the basket for either team. But uh, we were behind in the first half, then we caught up, then we went ahead, and it just looked like this is how it's been for the last three months, you know. And so it's going to happen. And then, uh, you know, we missed a few free throws. But, you know, we missed a lot of free throws in that time. We had a couple – we had a double overtime game at TCU. I remember that we – you know, hit a few shots, banked one in, you know, um, uh, to win that. And, you know, a, a game out of Arkansas where Coach had never won a game in Barnhill Arena. And so we had, we had experienced some really kind of firsts for that, uh, you know, won the Southwest Conference Tournament outright 18-0. and 0. Uh, And so it just seemed like this is what was supposed to happen. We're up seven, five minutes to go. We'll figure this out. We'll miss a few. We had a few stunts that we ran to rebound, miss free throws. And uh, so there's a lot of ways you can kind of tackle things. Instead of <laughs> trying to just make all your free throws, we were trying to figure out how we could actually get the rebound when we missed it, you know. And uh, and then that, uh, you know, Derek Whitmer to this day still says it's a pass. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he fired that thing up to make it. And In today's world, this is what I say all the time because you can see it. In today's world, the clock would have stopped and there would have been a second and a half or so you know, left for us to actually. They would have reviewed it. And yeah, then they, yeah, yeah, we yeah. could have got maybe actually had another shot at it. But. That that thing, you know, it shows every year and it replays and every year the same thing happens. We end up with a couple points less than the other team. So, how long did it really hang with you? Well, you know, I, I just I was so grateful for the opportunity. You know, I, my 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 path was pretty difficult to get to there to that point. I, I really at twenty four, twenty five years old, I, I really felt like. Something really special had happened for me and in the game, and so it it never really, um, you know, got me to the point where I was going through 
you know, depression and anxiety like a lot of my other teammates. That mm. just it was their it was their whole life, and that was the best thing that was ever going to happen for them. And and I I, I was able to you know kind of uh, handle a little bit different. But even to this day, if you you know, because Jimmy Valvano, obviously his whole thing, and this made him famous, and now we've got the Jimmy V Foundation, and we're raising so much money to try to, you know, do cancer research, and, you know, people will say, oh, aren't you glad that, you know, Jimmy won that game so that all these things could happen? I'd still rather take the win. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, think, I think he could figure it out on his own. Yeah. <laughs> A random hit here before the break. At Houston, and in most publications, you were David Rose back in the day. When did you become yeah. Dave? I, I became Dave when I came, went to St. George. You know, which was interesting, and uh, and even when I went back to Houston, I was David all the way time. You know, we had another player on the team, Lyndon Rose, and so I was D Rose, and he was Lyndon, and uh, and and uh, you know, even my teammates they still call me David. But in Utah, it's just kind of you know took a took a life of its own, and I actually kind of liked it, and so. Uh, I've been Dave in Utah all of, ever, ever since I've been here. Dave it is. We're taking a break with Coach Dave Rose. We'll hit his coaching career in our remaining moments as we continue. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Back with more from Coach Rose right after this. Welcome back to Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Here's your host, Craig Rubel. And this part of tonight's show is brought to you by BYU alumni. Want to help BYU students but don't know how? You can with BYU alumni chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. And tonight for the entire hour, we're chatting with BYU men's basketball head coach Dave Rose. We've talked about his uh, early life and his playing career. And once that Houston basketball playing career wrapped up, it was time to decide what to do next. And you had interned in the oil patch, but decided that uh, staying in Houston and uh, going into big business was not for you. Uh, I, I, I guess two high schools in Utah caught wind of maybe some coaching aspirations you might have had. Did they give you a call? Well, yeah, it was pretty interesting. After the uh, loss at Albuquerque, um, you know, I, I did an interview after the game with, uh, or it might have been in between. It might have been between the Louisville game in the semifinals and the uh, the championship game with North Carolina State, but I, I did an interview in the, for the Deseret News with Lee Benson, and uh, in that article talked about the fact that I changed my major and that I wanted to to go into coaching and was looking at uh, maybe staying at the University of Houston as a graduate assistant or becoming a high school coach. Or um, and from that article, I actually had a couple, um, you know, um, vice principals, one principal reach out. And asked me if I'd be interested in in interviewing for their jobs, and so um, you know that that was a, a a really kind of a a difficult time trying to decide what to do. I had three or four different options. I was still trying to investigate a professional playing career overseas, and had an agent, and had a guy, you know, uh, a team in Italy that was actively trying to pursue me to come over. And I was married, had a child. And so uh, there was a lot of things, you know, that were that were kind of going on at that time. And and interesting enough, I I, I talked to a few people, and one of the, one of the guys told me that, hey, if if you're thinking about being a coach and you have an opportunity to be a head coach, if it were me, that's what I would do immediately, and find out how you actually like that, how it feels, how how the pressures of that position, cutting kids, and you know. Uh, you know, being kind of ridiculed uh, for decisions made in games and winning, uh, you know, games that, you know, maybe you shouldn't win and losing games maybe that you shouldn't lose, how all that fits with you and your personality. And and I remember that uh, going through this. And I came up to – came out to Utah and interviewed for uh, the Cottonwood High School job um, with the with the school district. When I walked in, a huge boardroom and everybody around the table and, you know, that that was – uh, and I was, you know, maybe three or four weeks off of uh, being a player uh, in the championship game. And uh, when that actually came down, they offered me the assistance job and uh, offered the head job to Blair Martineau at the time. And then on the way back, I went and stopped in Fillmore because I flew into Vegas and then drove up, drove up to, to, to Utah because we had family in Vegas who would let me use a car and I, could, I got a cheap flight. Um, to come out and interview, and and they and so with Jay Richmond was the principal at Millard High School, 
and uh, interviewed for that position, and he offered me the job on the spot. The head job. The head job. And uh, so with a little bit of discussion, you know, with my wife, moving from a, you know, a, a city of about two million to a city of about two hundred, two hundred. <laughs> I know we lived in Meadow, and Meadow has four hundred five. You know, but that was a year after we yeah. moved from Fillmore. But Fillmore, you know, probably had fifteen or maybe sixteen hundred, maybe three thousand at the most. That was our uh, that was our change. And uh, you're what twenty three? Yeah, no, twenty four. And in August of, of that year, became you know the head basketball coach. And the first time I met anybody there was um, on a football field because I was the assistant football coach, and uh, we were starting, um, you know, two days early in the you know the fall, and got to meet all the, the players. And, and as you know, we're running football plays, I'm asking some of the other coaches there, okay, which guy can actually play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to scout yeah, for trying your to guy. figure it out, and realize that I was going to have about seven seniors that first year, and uh, so. It, it, those those three years of Millard, I, I learned so much about uh, just about me and my temperament and my personality and what I wanted to do and and uh, you know I, I I owe all those kids so much. I, I wish I could go back and coach them again though because I don't know if I was a very good coach, but I was I was really really um, excited about my start in the business. Those first three seasons as a coach were at Millard High School, and your first year as a head coach was a good one because it got to the state tournament and to the Marriott Center. Yeah, we did. We actually uh, played Emory High School in the Marriott Center, and we got you know we got behind early, and you know kind of fought our way all the way back. And was that your first time in the building, by the way? Um, Do you think? Or I think so. Maybe, yeah. 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 Wow. And. Uh, we uh, we got it we got it down to a possession or so and we the, you know we were pressing and we kind of overcommitted on the press and they sent a guy deep and and they threw it long pass and, and scored and put the game out of reach for us and so we would go to the consolation bracket and I think we were in one of the high school gyms the next night you know the the the, the championship bracket stayed in the Marriott Center and the other games went uh, to other gyms but I, I do remember the you know the um, the feeling of um, team and togetherness and accomplishment you know we weren't picked to do anything and we got our guys into the state championship i mean the 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 the, the tournament to to have a chance to compete for a state championship and and then we started over again you know, all those seniors left and then we had a, a group of young guys and we were kind of rebuilding and um and uh after after my second year i left all a bunch of seniors for the new coach uh, Terry Schillenberger took the took the job, but um, I, I knew there was going to be an opening at Dixie, and I had an opportunity to go um, to St. George and to, to coach at Pineview for a year, where mm-hmm. I could be around uh, the college team, and knew I wanted to kind of progress that way. and And so got back, got down to Pineview, and then the next year ended up uh, as the assistant coach at Dixie. And then after, I think, three seasons or four as an assistant there, you become the head coach. And not to, to just skip right over because it's a lot that went on, but your time at Dixie included a, a, a great record. Uh, six of your seven teams were top 20. You got as high as number two one season. You won three league titles. You were coach of the year in the Scenic West. Uh, you coached All-Americans, and they inducted you into the Dixie State Athletics Hall of Fame in 2013 because of all that. Yeah, those were those were great times. I, 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 in fact, I the the players from those teams. You know, I saw one the other night in Reno. Ethan O'Brien came into the locker room before the game. He he went to the University of Nevada from Dixie, but we had so many players that were came to Dixie to try to find their way one way or another, either academically or maybe improve a little bit athletically. And we sent so many guys on to Division One with scholarships and. And then you know, able to to, to keep those relationships. It's uh, that was a, a really fun time, but that was a real stressful time too, because you know y- y- your your success kind of depended on your guys graduating and getting you know scholarships, so you could get the next group in. And it's uh, where I met the majority of all the relationships that mm-hmm. I have, because coaches would come in and recruit my guys, and and even though the guy would sign with one you know team, maybe fourteen, thirteen. Schools would be recruiting that one player when you had seven guys signed Division One scholarships, and so you, you you add up all those people who were recruiting the guys, and that's kind of 
how uh, I, I created quite a network of uh, of relationships over the years. That uh, we still see coming into effect almost kind of game to game these days with the games <laughs> you're coaching now. After seven years as head coach at Dixie, there was a change at BYU. We'll talk about how that change brought Dave to BYU as we continue. Our concluding segment with Coach Dave Rose is coming up. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. More with Coach Rose next. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic, visiting with BYU men's basketball head coach Dave Rose and so much to talk about. We're finally going to get Dave to Provo here as we uh, talk about uh, a job that comes open in the late 1990s, and Steve Cleveland is hired out of the junior college ranks to be the new head coach of BYU, and among the first things he did was call you to see about being his top assistant. Well, yeah, the first couple of calls was basically just about Utah basketball. You know, he wanted to know, you know, the, the, the players that uh, were in junior college here, and he wanted to know maybe some of the players at Rick's uh, in CSI in the league where I was coaching in, and you know, we had met uh, just earlier that year. He had came and brought his Fresno State, his Fresno team, city team, to uh, Burns Arena there in St. George to play in a tournament. And uh, we kind of hooked up one one morning, went to breakfast, and kind of just became, you know, quick friends. And we had no idea that, <laughs> you know, that that April that uh, he'd have be the head coach at BYU, and he'd be calling me asking me for advice. I gave him. You know, quite a few names of of guys that I thought would be really good assistants for him, and and he called me one night uh, when he was at Hutch uh, watching some junior college games, and uh, you know we were talking about some players he had watched and was looking at, and I we'd played against some, and so I was giving him my two cents, and he says, you know, Dave, that's not really why I called you. I called you because I I think you're the guy. You're, you you need to come up here and be my assistant coach, and I started laughing and I said, yeah, that's. That, that, that's nice, but uh, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, about three weeks later, we uh, we made the decision to do it, and uh, and and that was that was difficult because I had a daughter. Chanel was in a sophomore year in high school, and the only thing worse than moving maybe after your eighth grade year, you know, in high school, like I moved from Southern California to Houston, was you know moving your your daughter after <laughs> her sophomore year when she's on four varsity teams. She was a a varsity volleyball player and a varsity softball player and track. She was a high jumper and and uh, and then she played basketball for him. So um, that was a uh, that was a di- difficult time for our family and um, and she actually came up and moved with us when we moved, but then went back and played the, her basketball season uh, junior year at uh, at Snow Canyon and they won a state championship. And right after they won the state championship, she was ready to come to Provo and uh ended up you know playing softball and basketball for Provo and and uh graduated from Provo High. You joined coach Cleve and coach Schroyer and Nate Call and people like that and you guys started building from the bottom. BYU was 1 and 25 the year before you got here as an assistant and from 9 and 21 to 12 and 16 to 22 and 11 NIT then to 24 and 9 and back in the NCAA tournament and then you guys kind of got this thing rolling a bit and and got to the dance uh, a number of times, and it kind of came back around full circle with a 9-21 and year that saw Coach Cleve leave then for Fresno, and then you became his replacement. Yeah, and that was just another stressful time. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. You talk about all these different changes. When Coach Wagner left you know, Dixie to go take the BYU-Hawaii job and what was going to happen to me in that situation, now we're back right there again when Coach Cleveland left to take the Fresno State job. And and I'm here, you know, kind of wondering what uh, what's going to happen for me. But at the time, it was uh, you know Tom Homo was the AD and uh, and um, President Samuelson Cecil was uh, the the president. And and immediately it looked like I was going to be in the mix. And so we got really heavy into you know me trying to figure out how I was convinced them that I should be the the next coach here. And uh, and you know before we knew it, that that announcement was made, and then we we're off and running. Your first year as head coach got BYU to the NIT. And by the way, you were picked to finish ninth and last in the Mountain West that year, and you finished tied for second the game out of first. NIT, then three straight NCAAs. After the third straight NCAA, uh, your life forever changed uh, uh, with your diagnosis. And, and you said at the time, I just want to use this quote, and then you can respond to it, and then we'll get close to wrapping it up. When you're diagnosed with cancer, your whole life stops, and you feel like it's either the end or close to the end. We felt like 
the week that we were the week that we were there, meaning up at the U, helped us to get past that to where we could think about life down the road, even though we had a tough challenge. Yeah, that that was um, you know those were some pretty intense you know times talking with the doctors and doctors not knowing exactly what my prognosis would be, and so that we were in limbo for you know close to five days, six days, and then then when we got some good news that the tumor was a little bit more manageable, and then it looked like you know we might you know dodge a bullet as far as how we can um, you know look to the future, and uh, and and I think that. You know, it's one of those things where I, I still think that if if I had to do this, I would prefer to come uh, and not have cancer. But the fact that I did have, you know, did have that experience, and I have it every six months now when I go back and have, you know, different uh, checkups and treatments, and um, it's been really good for me. It's been really healthy for me to be able to have that perspective and. Um, it sounds really odd, and I think only cancer patients will probably understand what I'm talking about. But uh, you look at things so differently, and you appreciate things so much more. So I'm, I'm going to say let's uh, – you know, I, I don't know if it made me a better coach, but it made me a much better person. You're well today? Yeah, things are good. Yeah, I, I, I don't go back till uh, I think the 1st of April, and then we'll know. And, I, and I've had – it hasn't been just a smooth sailing. I've had some – some issues, but it's been so managed unbelievably well by, you know, the people up at Huntsman and the timing. And I missed a couple of practices, but haven't missed a game. And, and uh, hopefully that continues. We'll get back to talking basketball tomorrow night, okay? All right, we will. Okay, we'll do X's and O's tomorrow night. I, uh, I do hope that fans have enjoyed this hour with Dave, and I hope that everyone has both uh, enjoyed and appreciated 14 seasons now of the Dave Rose era at BYU. Cougar Nation's fortunate to have Dave and his family in the BYU family. The second half hour of tonight's show was brought to you by BYU alumni. Want to help BYU students but don't know how? You can with BYU alumni chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. Dave, we'll see you tomorrow. All right, thanks a lot, Greg. All right, back to wrap it up after this. Well, thanks for joining us behind the mic on this Wednesday, November 14th. Thanks to BYU men's basketball head coach Dave Rose for joining me for the entire hour. And as he was leaving, he made me a deal because there was so much to talk about. We didn't even really get into the BYU years. We're going to take another hour, I think, in January or February and talk about his BYU coaching days. There's a lot to get to. By the way, uh, for the next four weeks, we're off the air on Behind the Mic because of BYU basketball games. We'll take a little break until December 19th. Thanks to coordinating producer Terry South and intern Aaron Fitzner for assisting tonight. My name is Greg Rubel. Thanking you for tuning in. Behind the Mic, we'll talk to you next Wednesday at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain, right here on BYU Radio. Till then, have a great night. You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at byuradio.org. 